0: In fact, indigenous healthcare practitioners are using them for the benefit of their patients who seek optimal health and wellness. Now, here is Dr. Dan Royal.
1: Greetings, listeners. I am Dr. Dan Royal, and you are now listening to The Royal Treatment. We are here every week to answer your health questions. And I know if you are a patient of any kind, you will. Have questions. I just had a patient in my office, and she has many questions. Recently diagnosed with breast cancer, she found a lump. They did a biopsy. They ran some tests. We're still trying to sort it out. What kind of questions does she have? Well, should I do chemotherapy? Should I do a lumpectomy, mastectomy? Should I do natural therapy? Should I do them in combination? All of these are good questions and can be worked out, whereby a plan of action can be established, but working with a holistic physician. In other words, years ago, I had a couple of patients who came to me. They had received chemotherapy or were going to undergo chemotherapy. After every chemotherapy treatment, they came to my office. We did a nutritional IV. Guess what? Their hair never fell out, and their blood count never bottomed out. The doctors were Baffled. You can combine therapies. We call that integrative medicine. But we would like to thank our sponsors before going any farther, first of which is the Turtle Healing Band Clinic where I work. You can reach me here at 702 562 1454. That's 702 562 1454. We need some very interesting therapies here. I had a man in my office today from Germany. Who is here this past weekend for an anti-aging conference. He came in and received exosome injections, which can be given intravenously. They can also be given into the joints. They're designed to attract stem cells to the area of injury, which is in need of repair. We do those kinds of therapies to attract stem cells to where they're needed, but we also do our own proprietary type of stem cells, whereby we obtain them from the We'd also like to thank the First Nation Medical Board, which licenses practitioners such as myself who practice indigenous medicine, also known as traditional medicine. This is because there is no state in this country that regulates the practice of indigenous medicine there are only 23 states that actually regulate the practice of naturopathic medicines. So there are many physicians who need a board, such as here in Nevada, where we have no naturopathic board, or they need dual licensure. Because currently, in the United States, there is only one state where a physician, such as myself, can be dual licensed. What do I mean by that? Well, if you're a DO or an MD, you're practicing conventional medicine. However, if you Wish to practice unconventional, non traditional medicine, which is oriented towards health optimization, next six care and disease management. If you want to do that, you need some protection because when you do natural things for your patients, that's not what you're trained to do in medical school, and physicians do such things at the risk of losing their license. So if you're not living in the state of Arizona where they have a complementary integrative medical board and you live in any of the other 49 states where there is no such alternative medical board available, you need the First Nation Medical Board to protect you for all things that you are using in your practice that are holistic, alternative, integrative, complementary, and so forth. That also is important for you as patients because you can't, find these physicians unless they are using these types of therapies under proper supervision and in this case jurisdiction. The Indian nation we're talking about is the Crow tribe of Indians which is first to step forward and exercise their desire to have jurisdiction over the practice of indigenous medicine to make these types of therapy more available not only for indigenous people but for All Americans, everywhere. Well, every week, as you may know, if you're a regular listener to this program, we review something nobody else in the world does. They completely ignore the obituaries. We will be looking at those who died too young from diseases they shouldn't have had just this last week, locally and internationally. We're also going to be looking at some current events, these are studies that have been published or released just this last week. And finally, we will be finishing our discussion on vitamin C. We've been talking about that for the last couple of weeks, but today we are really going to finish it. One of the reasons that we review the obituaries is because you may already know that life expectancy in the United States is declining. Average life expectancy in the United States for a woman is 81.2 years of age. For a man, it is 76.4 for an average of about 78.5 years of age. What's interesting is that that average life expectancy has been declining in the United States for the last three years. I'm speaking of 2015, 16, 17. When the reports came in from 2018, guess what? We will have decline in average life expectancy for four years in a row. Now, the last time there was a decline was actually... ...in the year 1993. The last time it declined three years in a row... ...was 1916, 17, and 18. So, when we have declined... ...in average life expectancy for four years in a row... ...guess what? We have set a new record. Pat yourselves on the back, America. Not only is your average life expectancy declining... ...but so is your quality of health care. You may have heard at the introducing commercial... We're number 43 in the world for healthcare. That's not true. We've actually gotten worse. We're around number 46. I'm Dr. Dan Royal. You're listening to The Royal Treatment. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, don't forget to talk about obituaries. Stay right with us.
2: Targeting cancer cells with DMSO reduces the need for full-dose chemotherapy by up to 90% because DMSO targets cancer cells, not healthy cells. Research demonstrates that DMSO, also known as dimethyl sulfoxide, has an affinity for cancer cells, which also allows DMSO to enter them even when DMSO is carrying chemo drugs. Could low-dose chemo with DMSO be the answer you've been searching for? Find out more by calling Dr. Dan Royal at 702 562 1454. When low-dose chemo is combined with DMSO or insulin, it's called potentiation therapy. This is because the cancer-killing power they create together is much greater than when they're administered separately. Are you a cancer patient who wants more than disease management? Could low-dose chemo help you achieve optimal health and wellness? Call Dr. Dan Royal at 702-562-1454 to see if you qualify for low-dose chemo. That's 702-562-1454. It's sweet.
3: There's no place like it. And as we all know, it's where the heart is. Home. It matters. I'm Grant Brewer with Home at Last, a housing program of Nevada Rural Housing Authority. Join me and expert guests every Tuesday at 4 p.m. on KCKQ 1180 for Home Matters, a show dedicated to all things well home. Each week, I chat with the industry's best lenders, real estate professionals, builders, insurance experts, home inspectors, developers, and specialized housing program experts. They grace the mic, and we dig into today's hot housing topics. Tune in to Home Matters each Tuesday at 4 p.m. at 1180 a.m. KCKQ, the home of community radio. Or listen live and listen again online at americamatters.us. Join us.
0: Welcome to my house It's my house One in three adults in America have pre-diabetes But most don't know it To let people know it can be reversed before it becomes type 2 diabetes Professional basketball player Julius
4: Randle is doing everything in reverse I'm only dunking with reverse windmills I drove the whole way to practice in reverse I don't recommend it This move's called the reverse shuffle I do recommend it. And it took me months to learn how to speak in reverse, like this. <clears throat> Here's 10 almost for diabetes type 2 with living Ben has mom, my In other words, my mom has been living with type 2 diabetes for almost 10 years. So together, we want to say to the 84 million Americans at risk, exercise and healthy eating can help reverse pre-diabetes. Start by taking a simple one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Prediabetes Awareness Partners. (laughs) Bet he can't say that in reverse.
1: You're invited to join Business Connections with Anita every Wednesday from 10 to 11 a.m. here on 1180 AM KCKQ America Matters.
4: Unable to listen to the whole show? A recording of today's program will be available later today. Visit americamatters.us and click on the podcast link. Now, back to the show.
1: We are back to the show, and I'm glad you stayed with us for the second segment. We have four segments of our show. In the first segment, I mentioned how you can reach me at the Turtle here Man Clinic by calling 702-562-1454. But you can also email me at droyal at royalmedicalclinic.com. D is in Daniel Royal. R-O-Y-A-L at Royal Medical Clinic. all one word, dot com. Feel free to email me your questions. I always answer them, hopefully to your satisfaction. But that's what we're here to do. Our purpose is to empower you, the listeners, with the information you can use to make better informed healthcare decisions. If we can accomplish that, if you can learn one new thing by listening to our program, our time together has been well spent. And feel free to share what you know with others. Someone asked me today, how does somebody find you? Because she had a difficult time tracking us down. But she put in best doctor or something that effect on the internet and was able to track us down. She was looking for somebody who practiced oncology, but from a holistic point of view. Primarily, the way that we find our patients is through people like you. Referral, word of mouth. Those are the types of patients we're seeking because those types of patients who are more educated and more invested in their health. They know that they have to take responsibility. They have to do something. They have to take supplements. They have to exercise, get adequate sleep, drink adequate water, detox. and There are various ways that they can do that every single day. Make every day worth living. Every day is a gift from God. So look at it that way. Take advantage of it. Make the most of it. And you will live a long, happy, prosperous life. Now we're going to look at some people who didn't quite make it. These are people who died too young from disease they shouldn't have had locally and internationally. First, locally. When I say locally, we're talking about those who died within the last week here in Las Vegas and in the Reno area We don't always know exactly why they died, unless they tell us in the obituaries, but we know they died too young. First, we have a 38-year-old man, a member of the Opportunity Village community who passed away suddenly. Whenever you hear that term, suddenly or unexpectedly, that means sudden death or heart attack. 55-year-old woman, a PhD lab scientist, passed away due to complications from pancreatic Cancer. She was 55. 57-year-old man who worked for Nellis Cab passed away. A 63-year-old woman passed away. 65-year-old man who loved hunting, fishing, and racing passed away, leaving behind one daughter and three dogs. 69-year-old man, an attorney and arbitrator for U.S. Steel and steel workers, passed away. 71-year-old man who owned a shutter business passed away. 72-year-old woman passed away peacefully. 72-year-old man who had kidney disease for 18 years and a heart valve blockage passed away. Unexpectedly. 74-year-old man who worked for the electrical union, electrical workers union, passed away. 75-year-old woman who loved to crochet and latch hook rugs passed away from Alzheimer's disease. 76-year-old man passed away after a 20-year battle with cancer. Nobody ever seems to win that battle. Did you notice that? 78-year-old woman who worked as a paralegal passed away from complications of cancer and C-O-P-D, doesn't say the type of cancer, but we could probably surmise lung cancer. 79-year-old woman passed away from heart disease, and those are the ones who died locally, too young from diseases they shouldn't have had. Now we're going to talk about those who died internationally, celebrity notables, too young from diseases that they shouldn't have had. First, we have Hana Yusuf, Somalia-born British journalist for the BBC News. She died suddenly at 27 years of age. Then we have Samvel Manatsian, Russian ice hockey player, died at 29 years of age from spinal cancer. Isaac Promise, soccer player for the Nigerian national team and 2008 Olympic silver medalist, died at 31 years of age from heart failure. Seems kind of young for that. Marina Kuklina, Ukrainian actress, died suddenly at 33 years of age. Stanley Nawabia, a Nigerian social commentator and blogger, died at 43 years of age from blood transfusion complication. Ed Ackerson, American singer-songwriter, musician, and record producer, died at 54 years of age from pancreatic cancer. Kim Shattuck. American singer, songwriter, musician, died at 56 years of age from amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, or ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. She was 56. Marcello Giordani, Italian operatic tenor, died at 56 years of age from a heart attack. Henry Keitzer, Dutch businessman, chairman of the Party for Freedom and Democracy, died at 58 years of age after a short illness. Eugenie Bushman, Russian politician died at 61 years of age after a long illness. Tim Lee, American government official for Cobb County, Georgia, died at 62 years of age from esophageal cancer. Felipe van der Velde, Belgian comics writer, died suddenly at 62 years of age. Barry Masters, British singer with Eddie and the Hot Rods, died suddenly at 63 years of age. Bob Tufts, American Major League Baseball player, died at 63 years of age from multiple myeloma. That is a cancerous disease of the bone marrow. We have Ed Simonini, American NFL football defensive linebacker, died at 65 years of age after a battle with cancer. Obviously, he lost. Michael Latourno Canadian politician, died at 69 years of age during the night. I'm assuming he had a heart attack. Saran Carson, Northern Irish poet, died at 70 years of age from lung cancer. C.K. Menon, an Indian businessman and a philanthropist living in Qatar, died at 70 years of age after a prolonged illness. That's all the information we were given on him and others like him. Louis Dauber, American actor, died at 70 years of age from liver cancer. Pat McGrath, American musician and songwriter, died at 73 years of age. From liver cancer. Jafar Kashani, soccer player for the Iranian national team, died at 74 years of age from a heart attack. Peter Sissons, British journalist and broadcaster for the BBC News, died at 77 years of age in the hospital. John Kirby, American attorney, died at 79 years of age from myelodysplastic syndrome. What is that? Myelodysplastic syndrome. Well, you're in luck. I actually have an explanation. Myelodysplastic syndromes, or MDS, are a group of cancers which immature blood cells in the bone marrow do not mature and therefore do not become healthy blood cells. Symptoms may include feeling tired, shortness of breath, easy bleeding, or frequent infections. Hopefully, you're not experiencing any of that. Risk factors include previous chemotherapy or radiation therapy, exposure to certain chemicals such as tobacco smoke, pesticides, and benzene, and exposure to heavy metals such as mercury, lead. Next, we have Bernard Muna, Cameroonian politician, died at 79 years of age from heart disease. Carol Gott, Czech singer, died at 80 years of age from acute myeloid leukemia, another bone marrow disease similar to myelodysplastic syndrome. Tony Mulhern, British political campaigner, died at 80 years of age from idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. Idiopathic means we don't know what caused it. And finally, Anders Firm, Swedish diplomat, ambassador to the United Nations, died 81 years of age after he fell asleep and, of course, never woke up. Well, that's it on the obituaries. People who died too young from disease they shouldn't have had. Just this last week, check your own obituaries where you live to see if it's happening in your area. I suspect that it is. But don't you be a statistic. You don't have to wait around for the hammer to fall to see what's going to happen next while you enjoyed your life and did nothing to invest in your health. You know if you don't invest in your retirement, you may not ever be able to retire. You may be working until the day you die, which is perfectly fine. You may enjoy what you do. My father, for example, is 85. He's a doctor and still working because He enjoys it. If that's you, then God bless you. But if you are looking to retire, which most people seem to want, you have to set some money aside. If you want to avoid disease, sickness, and death, then you have to invest in your health. As I said earlier, every single day. You cannot simply take it for granted and wait for something bad to happen. Why? Medicine doesn't have any cures for you. Medicines are designed to manage your symptoms. Oh, yes, of course, we will treat you as long as your insurance is paying for it, of course. That doesn't mean that we will cure you. We manage your symptoms for as long as you stay alive, but there is nothing that is going to make you healthier. In fact, every single drug has side effects. That means that a drug can be improved for one thing, but that does not mean that it will magically do that one thing only. Actually, 99 things could go wrong. So whenever I see a patient and they're taking medications, the first thing I want to know, of course, is what are the medicines you're taking? And why is that? Well, I want to know if the symptoms they're complaining of are side effects of their medications. Now, if you look in the physician's desk reference or PDR, you will see that there can be something called drug interactions. That means what happens when you mix two drugs together. The problem is when you mix three drugs or more. All bets are off. We don't know what happens when you introduce a third component. We only know what happens with some drugs when there are two being taken at the same time. But Of course, that complicates things, but that adds another layer of potential toxicity of side effects from drugs. So Let's try to stay on the natural side, my friends, so you don't have to worry about any of that. I'm Dr. Dan Royer, listening to the Royal Treatment we come back we're going to continue our discussion and talk about current events just last week stay with us
2: After forming all the organs and body components necessary for human life, stem cells disappear, right? No. Stem cells are present in all of us just waiting for an opportunity to regenerate organs, joints, ligaments, muscles, and other body tissues they originally formed. Dr. Dan Royal has developed a unique patent-pending process for obtaining stem cells from your own blood. Stem cells can be concentrated, prepared, and delivered to areas where you need them most to repair old, damaged, and dying cells. Can your own stem cells help rejuvenate your body? To find out, call Dr. Dan Royal at 702-562-1454. Your own naturally occurring stem cells are the ultimate anti-aging treatment. They can be used to improve facial appearance and hair growth, as well as for aches, pains, and other conditions. Could your own stem cells help you achieve optimal health and wellness? Find out by calling Dr. Royal at 702-562-1454. Don't wait. Call today. That number again is 702-562-1454.
5: Business owners and entrepreneurs know that good information is priceless. Just one great idea can make all the difference. Hi, this is Joe Morabito, host of CEO Business Mind. Each week in one fast-paced hour, we share lots of proven tips and ideas to help you be more successful in business. Don't miss a minute of CEO Business Mind with me, Joe Morabito, right here on 1180 AM KCKQ.
0: A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, this is Reva McIntyre, and I wanted to talk to you about a serious problem right here in our own backyard. Did you know that there are nearly 16 million kids struggling with hunger in America? That's why the Feeding America Nationwide Network of Food Banks collects surplus food, engaging their communities in solving hunger and giving hope to hungry kids and their families. But they need your help. Support Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org.
2: A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council.
5: Hi, everybody. This is Sharon Oren with Coffee with Sharon. Remember, Thursday, 5 p.m., I'll be here. Will you? Brought to you in part by Michael's Reno
0: Power Sports.
4: To join the conversation, call 844-790-TALK. That's 844-790-8255. Now, back to the show.
1: We are back to the show. I'm Dr. Dan Royal, and you are listening to The Royal Treatment. We're here every week to answer your health questions, and I hope you have some. Feel free to email me with your questions. I would love to hear from you at Royal at royalmedicalclinic.com. I know it's a long address, but it's D as in Daniel, Royal, R-O-Y-A-L, at royalmedicalclinic, all one word, dot com. But feel free to call us here at the Turtle Healing Band Clinic, where I work in Las Vegas. At 702-562-1454. 702-562-1454. Earlier in the program, I mentioned that we had a new patient in our office today. She was looking for someone to guide her in what treatment direction she should go for a recently diagnosed left breast cancer. Initially, the biopsy showed carcinoma in situ, which means it's localized and going nowhere. But then a lymph node was diagnosed in her axilla under her arm where there were some cancer cells found. Now the diagnosis changed to adenocarcinoma. Then she had her blood tested. Blood came back and the cancer antigen, the CA2729, was perfectly normal, which usually indicates that, in fact, the cancer is localized, even if it's in the one lymph node and in the breast. And now she has to make some decisions. She also had follow-up tests for the MRI of the breast, for the PET scan of her body. And everything seemed to confirm, what the bi- biopsy already diagnosed, that there are two areas where cancer seems to be problematic. The question is, what would you do? Would you do chemotherapy? Would you do radiation? Would you do a lumpectomy? Or would you do a mastectomy? Would you take off both breasts or one breast? Those are all things you as a patient have to think about if this happens to you, because one month ago, this patient was perfectly healthy. She was never sick, never had a problem. And then, seemingly out of the blue, a lump developed in her breast. I would be curious to know what you would do. We're still in the process of figuring things out, but we did some things that her local conventional doctors would never do. We check for Nagalase, which means we have to draw some blood to see what is the level of enzyme the cancer is producing in her body. Why? Because we have methodologies of are helping to lower that Nagalase. We're going to put her on an oral protocol to start with that has been proven to be very successful in lowering the cancer enzyme Nagalase. Why is that important? Because if your cancer is producing Nagalase, it's paralyzing your immune system. Your immune system cannot produce what it needs to identify. Kill and eliminate cancer. They're called macrophages. That's what Nagalase does. You have to eliminate it. We have a methodology that is, we call a Nagalase modifier, that has been proven to work in over 80% of the patients the first month and over 90% in the second month if they stick with the protocol. Second thing we check is the cancer antibody. Cancer antibody is different than antigens, which is what cancer is producing. Cancer antibodies are what your body is producing if it recognizes cancer and is responding appropriately. Interesting thing about that test, it can also be predictive up to a year and a half in advance. But we use that level, assuming it's high in this patient, which it may not be if the cancer is localized, but assuming it's high, we use it as a marker along with nagelase to see how patient is responding to her treatment. Regardless of what treatment is being given, those should be included in your protocol if you are a cancer patient, no matter how you're being treated, if you would like a free handout on either of those, on that description of what they are, and would like more information about where to get them, feel free to contact us here at the Turtle Ealing Man Clinic or email me at the address I gave you earlier, droyal at royalmedicalclinic.com. Well, now we want to talk a little bit about some current events. This I thought you might find a little interesting. This was about vitamin D. You know, everybody's all on the, on the up and up about taking vitamin D. It's all the rage nowadays. Why? Well, it's the one supplement they can test through the local lab now. Of course, we've talked about this before in the show. The only thing you really check through the local lab is iron and ferritin, which is a bioavailable form of iron. That's because real nutritional deficiencies are not going to be show up floating around in your plasma. You have to analyze what's actually in the cells. That's done through specialty labs like spectra They grow the white blood cells or lymphocytes in media that's devoid of one nutrient. It takes at least 10 days, 10 working days for them to get those results. But those results include whether or not you have deficiencies in vitamins, minerals, amino acids, antioxidants. All you can tell from the local lab is again, iron and ferritin. But they're checking for vitamin D anyway. It's a dubious test because I found patients that were found to be high locally but nutritionally depleted when we check them intracellularly and vice versa. Well, a couple of years of vitamin D supplementation has apparently had no effect on bone mineral density or bone loss in healthy people. This is according to a recent study in a sub-cohort involving 771 adults who received no bone active medications. They got 2,000 international units daily of vitamin D supplements which is actually on the low end. Hopefully, you're not taking more than 5,000 daily maximum. And it showed absolutely no percent change in their bone mineral density. The researchers said daily supplements of vitamin D for two years did not improve bone density or structure in generally healthy men and women in the U.S. not selected for vitamin D insufficiency. These are people who were just simply supplementing with vitamin D. Participants may have already reached the vitamin D level needed for their bone health, they went on to say. Now, these are aligned with another trial that was conducted in Canada. There, the vitamin D study reported just about a month ago, showed no bone benefit. In fact, found a possible adverse side effect with high dose of vitamin D in healthy people. We had a patient who was taking too much vitamin D once. And if you do take too much vitamin D, guess what? It can cause damage to your kidneys. The creatinine level may go up. And if you continue without checking, you could end up on dialysis. Perhaps that's one potential side effect you should be aware of. Interestingly, it was found to have no adverse effect on cardiovascular health specifically vascular calcification. So that's good news. Now, what do you want to do if you really want to increase your bone density? Well, there are a number of things that can be done. Taking drugs is not one that I would recommend because the medicines that are typically used for that make people sick. Nauseous, for example. So much so that they don't want to take the drug, which is probably a good thing because the drugs have side effects, which we're not going to talk about at this point in time, but you can take natural hormones, identical hormones. Natural hormones break down to other natural substances, so theoretically they don't have any real side effects as those are properties of drugs. Testosterone, progesterone will stimulate bone growth. Estrogen will actually slow bone loss. That's a very simple thing to do. Whether you're a man or a woman, they can be taken topically Once a day. Now, years ago, when I was going to law school at night, I used a pulsing electromagnetic field. So when I finished seeing patients at the end of the day, I would lie on my pulsing electromagnetic field for about 15 minutes. I would get my power nap. I was re-energized, and I would go to school at night. That worked well for me. That technology has been around for, well, quite a while. But what's interesting about that particular therapy is it was shown even at that time, now we're going back about 20 years, that by using it daily, maybe for 24 minutes a day, it was definitively shown to stimulate bone growth. In other words, it was a treatment for osteoporosis. How very interesting. Well, let's see what else is in the news. I thought you might find this interesting. It was shown that patients who are taking antibiotics prior to having a dental procedure may be at risk of increasing their harmful bacteria in the body. Some dental patients who are inappropriately given antibiotics prior to procedures suffered adverse effects potentially connected to the drugs. We're talking about simple antibiotics like penicillin. Amoxicillin. And of course, there's always a potential you could have anaphylaxis, which I doubt you're going to get from an oral medicine. You used to see that a lot in the past from injectable forms of penicillin. But what could happen is you could have an increase in a type of bacteria called Clostridioides difficile, which of course is a problem of patients inappropriately prescribed antibiotic prophylaxis prior to a dental procedure. Almost 4% had adverse events ranging from allergies, anaphylaxis, and C. Deficile infections. Now, 4% doesn't sound like a lot, but if it happens to you, guess what? It's 100%. Dentists prescribe, believe it or not, approximately 10% of the antibiotics in the United States. And so the take-home lesson here is... If you're taking an antibiotic, whether it's for a dental procedure or not, and it's not for a diagnosed infection, you may be at risk for the exact same problems. This study was conducted between the years 2000 and 2015 of patients who were making dental visits It included, well, 168,420 dental visits. And it was found that approximately 136,177 antibiotics prescribed were unnecessary. I'm Dr. Dan Royer This to The Royal Tree. We're going to take a short break but stay right with us.
2: Low dose chemotherapy uses only 10 to 20 percent of full dose chemo, and it's known as IPT or insulin potentiated therapy. It's one of the safest and most innovative approaches to treating cancer effectively. IPT virtually eliminates side effects of full dose chemo, such as nausea, hair loss, and fatigue. Could IPT be the answer you've been searching for? To find out, call Dr. Dan Royal at 702-562-1454. IPT uses low dose chemo with insulin. Cancer cells have up to 20 times more insulin receptors and use up to 20 times more sugar than normal cells. That's why cancer cells thrive while normal cells struggle to survive. One study showed that using low-dose chemo with insulin resulted in a 10,000% increase in cancer-killing ability. Could IPT with low-dose chemo and insulin help you? Call Dr. Royal at 702-562-1454 to see if you qualify for IPT. That's 702-562-1454.
5: Virginia City is the source of all the richness in the West. While today it brings us a summer of fun with camel races, cook-offs, street vibrations, outhouse races, parades, and many more events, it's never dull on the Comstock. A taste of all this richness can be found at Virginia City Kettle Corn Depot. Our kettle corn is made fresh every day with no additives, just coconut oil, sea salt, and some pure cane sugar. We also offer fresh caramel corn and white cheddar, To which we can add jalapeno. This summer we are adding freshly made cotton candy. And for hot summer days, Hawaiian shave ice. Which on special occasions will offer some adult flavors like margarita, daiquiri, and pina colada. You can find Kettle Depot at the south end of C Street, across from the sheriff's office. Our long-standing customers have faithfully been returning to Kettle Depot since 2012. Come get your groove on in Virginia City.
1: Hey everyone, Dave Escher here introducing you to our new store, the Nevada Marketplace in the Reno Town Mall. Anchored with the Buy Nevada First gift shop, we've added over 60 micro shops, giving locals a place to set up their dream store. We are now 20,000 square feet strong, supporting over 250 local merchants with all things made in Nevada and more. We have more locals in one place than anywhere in the state, ready to help you find that perfect gift. We're open every day with easy parking at Peckham and Virginia. Go to buynevadafirst.com, your source for all things local. Hi, I'm Leslie Moon. Join Shonda Golden and I every Wednesday at 3 p.m. for American Women, where we'll talk about issues affecting all of us with select guests.
4: Are you shy and don't want to talk on the air? Text us your questions or comments to 775 237 2266. Now, back to the show.
1: We are back to the show. I'm Dr. Dan Royal, and you are listening still, hopefully. To the Royal Treatment, this is the fourth segment of our show, and as promised, we want to conclude our discussion from the last couple of weeks on vitamin C. Vitamin C, good for you, good for me, good for everyone, but I want to share one more current event with you. First, this was an interesting guideline for women who are at risk for breast cancer. Cancer. This guideline comes from an organization called USPSTF. I can't even tell you what that stands for right now. Oh, here it is United States Preventive Services Task Force. Here's the guideline it recommends a five year risk of breast cancer of greater than 3% as the indication for the use of endocrine therapy for prevention. Now, there are other models that use much less. If you are greater than 1.66% risk of developing breast cancer in the next five years, you or your doctor will be recommending for you medications to take. You will be taking medications, primarily aromatase inhibitors. Now, they come with various names, such as exemestane, riloxifen, tamoxifen. You probably know at least one of those. The problem is, or the question should be, is this more risk or benefit to me? Now, the article from which this recommendation came looked at 25 studies reporting evaluations of 18 risk assessment methods. So there is a risk assessment that's being done to determine whether or not you personally are at risk for breast cancer. And the studies showed that they had a low accuracy in predicting the incidence of breast cancer in women. Well, that didn't stop the US, PSTF, Preventive Services Task Force, from making their recommendation. They Stated that the current practice for such women is to be taking, for prevention, aromatase inhibitors, such as the ones I mentioned, tamoxifen, raloxifene, to reduce your risk, to get it less than 3%, ostensibly. A doctor told one of his patients, after he plugged her risk factors in, that she had a 2.2% risk of getting breast cancer. And he told her the cutoff, well, according to another recommendation from the GAIL, G-A-I-L score, he told her the cutoff for high risk today is 1.7% or greater, and that she was just over that by a slight amount. The patient then said she wasn't sure she wanted to take a drug for that kind of risk. Good for her. She's 1.7, no, 2.2% at risk of developing breast cancer within the next five years. Now, if you're taking an aromatase inhibitor, what might a side effect – I'm talking about one potential side effect. B, while it may, in fact, help eliminate the conversion of other hormones to estrogen, thereby lowering your total estrogen, which in some ways makes no sense at all because when you check women who are postmenopausal, they're making no estrogen. Their estrogen level is zero. But be that as it may, if you're taking this aromatase inhibitor, one potential side effect is uterine cancer. So you get to trade breast cancer for uterine cancer. Why not do something else? Rather than act out of a basis of fear, why not be proactive and take things that help to improve your immune function? Could be such things as colostrum. It could be vitamin C. It could be getting regular daily exercise, deep breathing activities, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. No need to be in fear if you are investing every day as we discussed earlier in your health. Well, let's talk about one thing you might be able to do to help ward off potential disease such as breast cancer, and that's taking vitamin C or the right type of vitamin C. Last week, we talked about how important it is to take vitamin C with bioflavonoids. Bioflavonoids help with the absorption of vitamin C and have a synergistic effect in that they strengthen the capillaries of your blood vessels. So those of you that have thin skin and are having bruising from bleeding capillaries, you need what we're talking about, vitamin C with bioflavonoids. Now, despite the difference between man and lower animals... Dr. Linus Pauling, you know him as a former Nobel Prize winner in biochemistry, and Dr. Irwin Stone were the two main advocates of massive doses of vitamin C. If you'll recall, Linus Pauling was taking approximately eighteen grams or eighteen thousand milligrams of vitamin C a day. Now, you couldn't do that, at least not right away. In order to take that dose, you have to work up to it gradually because you'll reach a tolerance as to what your body can handle. In terms of the amount of vitamin C, when you reach your tolerance, you'll know because you'll have loose bowels. But you can increase that intolerance gradually. These two individuals based their view on the amount of ascorbic acid some lower animals apparently produced in their livers. An unstressed rat, for example, produced 4,900 milligrams of vitamin C a day. And the same animal under stress produced 15,200 milligrams if under stress. A mouse normally synthesizes about 19 grams or 19,000 milligrams, a rabbit about 16 grams, a goat about 13 grams, a dog and cat about 2,800 milligrams per day. Now, Linus Pauling speculated that the human requirements of ascorbic acid are between three and nine grams per day, which still is a significant amount. When other scientists argued that taking so much ascorbate, vitamin C, per day was a waste of money, since the excess will simply be excreted, by the way, that statement makes no sense because the same thing happens with anything and everything we take, be it a food or a medicine, Linus Pauling disagreed by claiming the body establishes a steady state if the amount is divided into four doses and taken throughout the day, which does make some sense. So, for example, if you're taking natural thyroid, you have to take it at least twice a day, possibly even three times a day. Why? Because active thyroid has a short half-life of 8 to 12 hours. You cannot just take natural thyroid once a day and be done with it. You need to create this steady state he's talking about and take it two or three times a day. Of course, Pauling's ideas contributed fuel to the fires of controversy. He was a confident, some say quite arrogant, individual. And he relished his international thatcher as a two-time Nobel winner. So, when he put his name behind vitamin C as a miracle cure for almost everything, he objected to any data. Detracted from that position. Dr. Arthur B. Robinson worked with Pauling for years and he said that they had a falling out over research data that suggested massive doses of vitamin C were not always beneficial and could on occasion be harmful. Pauling simply would not allow facts to interfere with his thesis. Do you know people like that? Lots of them in medicine. Medical doctors whose forte is diagnosing complain that persons taking megadoses of ascorbic acid can confuse various tests. For example, it has been shown that megadoses of vitamin C can increase uric acid levels, which is associated with gout. Uh, But this can be seen in the urine, possibly interfering with the diagnosis of gout. Megadoses are also able to confuse certain blood sugar readings and lead to the misdiagnosis of diabetes. You certainly don't want that. All of these factors have enlarged the controversy and colored the truth. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that vitamin C is bad for you, but it means that it can interfere with certain laboratory tests. Now, as we talked about last week, there is a particular type of bioflavonoid that works especially well with vitamin C, and that is the OPC. It was developed by a French researcher, and comes from the pine bark. Remember, his name was Masculaire. He first made his discovery and uh, regarding his antioxidant theory when it was not widely understood or accepted. It wasn't until the 1980s when this researcher learned about the exceptional antioxidant qualities inherent in OPC. Now, extracts from plentiful grape seeds and maritime pine bark are now the prime sources of OPC that Masculair has used for his extensive analytical, toxicological, toxicological, had difficulty with that before. And biological activity research include the modern clinical studies that verify their health benefits. Over the years of clinical research, the health value of OPC is now widely accepted in France and Italy. In these two countries, noted for an abundance of grapes, grapeseed extract is said by the medical establishment to be indicated for a number of degenerative human conditions, including the improvement of blood flow for the brain and the heart, that's important because you may know that dementia is on the rise and the number one cause of death in the United Kingdom. It's important for the improvement of modification of the peripheral arterial blood flow, especially in the legs and varicose veins, lymphoedema, acrocyanosis, or dark discoloration of the skin of the extremities, including the nose, acral parathesis, which is a tingling effect in the extremities, altered capillary fragility and permeability or bruising easily, which often can occur in Diabetics. These are just some of the benefits of using vitamin C with this particular bioflavonoid, which we have here in our clinic available to you if you desire it or to learn more about it. You can call us here at the Turtle Healing Man Clinic at 702 562 1454. 702 562 1454, or feel free to email me directly. D Royal at Royal Medical Clinic.com. D's and Daniel Royal. R-O-Y-A-L at Royal Medical Clinic, all one word, dot com My friends, you have been listening to the Royal Treatment today. We talked about obituaries. We talked about current events. We talked about vitamin C. Hopefully, your time with us has been well spent and you, you have learned one new thing. If so, your time with us has been well spent, and God bless you.